All right, everybody, welcome to today's Seven Figures Club podcast. Today, we've got a gentleman, a guest who's going to help you expedite your path to the Seven Figures Club and, and joining that very small percentage of business owners across the world who generate seven figures in annual sales and revenue and income for the business. Today, we've got uh, Jason Barnard coming all the way to us from beautiful, romantic Paris, France. So thank you for being on the show, Jason. Jason, by the way, is a digital marketer who specializes in brand SERP, uh, optimization and knowledge panel management. He has also basically been a musician, screenwriter, a songwriter, and a cartoon blue dog. So we are very excited to learn about the uh, digital marketing uh, space, where the opportunities exist, and one of his newest uh, uh, unbelievable uh, businesses out there called CaliCube.com that we're going to dive into. So Jason, welcome to the podcast. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thank you so very much. It's an absolute delight to be here. I'm terribly pleased. Well, we are excited uh, to have you, Jason. So at the beginning, we always like to find out a little bit more background about our guests. Uh, our audience, of course, is small business owners, um, those who are creating side hustles from home and entrepreneurs and startups. And so a lot of them, you know, uh, want to know, of course, more about our audience uh, guest. And so what, what is kind of your uh, background and what would you say led you, you know, going into some of your early years into entrepreneurship and to become a business owner? Right. Well, in fact, the, the reason I became a business owner is I joined a, a punk folk band in France in 1989. And we wanted to be music stars. We wanted to fill Shea Stadium with people with, you know, and we wanted to be rock stars, seriously wanted to be rock stars. And record companies didn't want us. And we, I created a a, a record company to actually release the records and organize the tours and uh, wasn't a seven-figure company because in the music industry when you're playing punk folk music you don't make seven figures in a year but we probably made seven figures over a 10-year period so that counts um, then that fell apart because the band split up which is the classic classic uh, rock music story uh, so I created a TV series, a cartoon series for children with my wife. And that was a seven-figure company. Um, as I mentioned to you before the show, we, we were very successful. Five million visits a month to our site, to a site for kids. We released a TV series, 52 episodes in 2008. I was a blue dog in the TV series as well as the business owner. And uh, that was with ITV International re released. Jason, that's uh, that's amazing. Now, now that kind of makes you uh, earlier, uh, early to you know the audience. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, sh the cartoon show Bluey, but my it seems like my uh, my five year old is always watching that. Also about a blue dog, so uh, interesting. But so you were kind of the precursor to Bluey. 
Yeah, well, we were at the same time as Blue's Clues, which is an, another blue dog. Blue dogs in oh, kids' yeah, cartoons. Oh, yeah, blue dogs. <laughs> we weren't original. And I think that's a really interesting point is I created the company for that because nobody wanted two characters for children in a cartoon series. They said, been done 100 million times, Tom and Jerry, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet, whatever it might be. There's no market for it. And in fact, there was a market for it. And just the big companies didn't realize that. And we proved the point. The company ended up being worth about $6 million. And I think the point there is when you've got a great product, even if there's competition, if your product is significantly better for whatever reason it might be, there's a place. There's a place for you. The world is big, especially with the internet out there. And if you've got even Blue's Clues and the one that you mentioned that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, uh, what was it? Bluey. Uh, Bluey. Yeah, Bluey. Okay, so you've got Blue's Clues, you've got Bluey, you've got Boo and this was a blue dog with a yellow koala, so slightly different. Doesn't matter. All that competition didn't actually make any difference. We 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 still nailed our place and got got a got a place in the market. And kids loved it. And especially with kids, and especially with kind of creative stuff, the place is there if you make that place. Wow, fantastic! So so started out uh, creating a rock band and <laughs> did that for about a decade until you know the the group uh, went their their own ways. And then you and your wife get this idea to start this uh, children's television show. And at one point, you've got uh, 5,000 uh, unique visitors coming to your site every month. I mean, that's that's a tremendous uh, amount of traffic. So what got you started? Right. Sorry, uh, it was actually idea? five. Sorry, it was five million visits yeah. a month. Yeah, no, 60 million in a year. Yeah. And that's wow, a billion page views. A billion page views a year for a kid site. We were we were actually making a profit of thirty five thousand dollars a month. Yeah. So so how from, did you monetize that? Uh, you know, you, you someone that you're creating amazing content for children. Yeah. Then uh, then how did you monetize it? Well, we had a, a dual model. We had advertising. Yeah. It was free, but you had advertising, okay. and we so, made very small sums of money from that on each visitor, but we had such volume that the sums of money added up quite quickly. And then we said to parents, right, adver- adver- advertisements on the content for your children isn't necessarily what you want. If you pay a subscription, we will remove the ads, put this full screen, it will become basically a CD-ROM for kids. Oh, that's and brilliant. So we, we, we basically were saying to parents, you have the choice. And the choice was, I'd love to say 50-50 because I would be a very rich person today, but it definitely wasn't. Uh, Parents would complain about the adverts, but they wouldn't actually pay to get rid of them, which is an interesting fact that I hadn't thought of before. The the number of parents who would actually pay to get rid of these adverts. And remember, these kids were visiting 20 minutes on average per visit, and they were spending maybe, maybe four or five hours a month on this site so it's not and, and what, what years were you running this uh, you started in 2008 or when did you guys start no we signed in 1998 and we ended in 2008 oh really, oh, really? and and that's interesting too because you now you look around and what's the business model that everybody is utilizing right now it's a subscription service right so i feel like you you guys were even early there kind of an an early uh, genius uh 
you know, maybe even in a few years before everything went to a subscription model, because that's where it is, right? The streaming wars, whether it's Netflix yeah. or Amazon Prime, everybody's trying to get that subscription service now. So that's uh, actually brilliant that you did that. Uh, and so then, then uh, 2008 hit, um, you know, crazy things are going on in the world. You've got uh, the global wide recession and real estate mm. issues in the United States and elsewhere. Um, what caused you guys to close that business down? And then what was your next step? I, I would love to say it was the global problems with um, uh, financial crises, but it was actually I chose the wrong business partner. Um, oh, wow. And I think that's another important lesson that one learns that's is huge. when when your business starts making good sums of money, big big margins of profit, that's when the true character comes out. And what you just said is my, my aim was to say, if we can build a big enough audience, we're just going to scale this and we can scale it. And the additional cost for each additional user is very, very small. So even on an advertising model where people are, oh, sorry, where we're making very little money on each individual visitor, we don't care. It doesn't matter because it scales and the cost of scaling in terms of del delivering the content is very low. And the cost of actually maintaining that content is incredibly low. So it's, it's an infinitely scalable model that had, for me, no end in sight. And my business partner was saying, no, I want to get as much money out of every single child as I possibly can. And that, for me, is a, a business mistake. But worse, from a human point of view, absolutely not what a blue dog and a yellow koala for six-year-old children is all about. Wow, this, this is huge, guys. One of the biggest um, issues in my career as an entrepreneur has been choosing the wrong business partners. And Jason is going to be giving us a masterclass today on why this is so vital and important that we're going to, of course, transition into the digital marketing space and all the opportunities there. But when you're selecting, and I've had a lot of business partners through the years, uh, Jason, and right now I've got uh, you know two amazing uh, business partners, one in particular that we do a lot of projects and things together. And there's just this, we're on the same page. We have the same values and principles and, and we're in it for the long run. What are some of the key factors that somebody really should consider when bringing in a business partner? And how long should you maybe work together where it's kind of a tentative thing before it becomes a permanent thing? Brilliant question, because number one, is if you can't talk about the tough questions right at the beginning, those tough questions at the end will be what will break the entire thing apart. And your whole company will potentially fall apart, which is what happened to us. Number two, don't believe what somebody's telling you. Look at what they've done. Look at what they're doing. And that implies, as, as you said, A, researching them, and B, working with them for a period of time before actually signing on the dotted line. Uh, and those are the three mistakes I made. I didn't research. I didn't work with this person for long enough. And I believed what they were saying on their own good word. And when we needed to discuss those difficult topics right at the beginning, I couldn't get my point of view across and I felt uncomfortable, but I kind of thought, it's okay, we're going to be moving forwards. It will all sort itself out. My experience is it doesn't. It gets worse. That's, that's really good, Jason. So when there's, there's important issues that have to be resolved, you've got to resolve them up front. If you don't, it'll just get worse. And when you have problems, you need to fix them fast, I always say. So that, that's huge. you got to fix those problems fast. You have to be on the same, uh, same page. 
And then most importantly, it sounds like uh, one of the big issues uh, that you guys uh, ran into was just kind of knowing, you know, where you wanted to go, where you each wanted to take the yeah. business. And I, and it's something that you brought up that's really good. It kind of goes back to one of our core values, which is you do what you say you're going to do. And it sounds like maybe this business partner you had was really good at talking the talk, but not so good at walking the walk and doing what he said he was going to do. That's exactly it. And at the end of the day, um, when you see yourself diverging like that, um, what I tried to do and failed to do was sit down and say, okay, we want different paths. That's fine. How can we figure out how to divide this company up or figure out an exit strategy for one of us so that the other one can just do what they want to do? Um, and unfortunately, that didn't work out. And that's the point about if you can't talk about the difficult issues at the beginning, you really won't be able to talk about it when things get difficult, tough, uh, conflictual. Amazing. So, so you built this amazingly successful business. I mean, you're generating 60 million visitors on this uh, site with your content, with this show every year, which is incredible. And, and then, you know, end up having to close it in 2008. What's the next step? And how did you and your wife get into digital marketing? Well, what actually happened is that what I realized is that from the 60 million visits a year that we were getting to this website, uh, 12 million of those came from Google. And okay. when, when the whole company fell apart, obviously I needed money. You need to make money. And it's very difficult. You've got a young family. Um, yeah. And at that point, I thought, what can I pitch to people? I can't pitch them, I'm a blue dog. Or I can play the role of a blue dog in a cartoon. Everybody wants to do that. It's very difficult to get a job that pays any kind of money. So I said, I can bring traffic to your site through Google because I know all about that. I got 12 million visits a year for a blue dog and a yellow koala. And everyone went, wow, that's brilliant. Can you do that for my company? And that's how I got into digital marketing by saying, if I can make a success of this blue dog and yellow koala, I can make a success of your company online in a digital space. Gotcha. So early on, you're getting into Google um, are, are you doing a combination of SEO and Google pay-per-click or what was the strategy back then? Pure SEO, absolutely, completely natural, organic. Um, the strategy we used, it's, we started it in 1998. We started the website in the same year Google was incorporated. And I bet on the right horse is that I focused on Google from the very beginning. And that was, could have been a lucky bet. But it might also be that I actually saw the winning horse right at the beginning. Uh, I'd like to think the latter, but it's probably a bit of both. And um, at the end of the day, we were creating content that we could package for children who really enjoyed it and kept coming back for more. But we also managed to package it for Google so that Google could present it to its users who are our audience. And that's the secret to SEO. It's not technical. It's not trying to cheat the machine. It's packaging what you have so that Google understands that it's incredibly relevant and helpful and valuable to the subset of its users that are your audience. That's how you win the SEO game. Amazing. So, so, so right. you're kind of an early adopter, Jason, of some of the most uh, powerful trends in business. You were an early adopter how did you guys, what was the decision like to be an early adopter in Google, an early adopter of a subscription business model? How do these ideas come and uh, any insights on other things we should be early adopters of, you know, in 2022 here? 
Well, it's an interesting question because I think the reasoning behind it is pragmatism. It's saying, for example, with Google, at the time you had like 20 different search engines and you had to create one page per search engine per individual keyword. And that meant literally I was trying to manage 200,000 web pages all at once. And I was on my own. And I realized very quickly that that simply isn't possible. So what I then did was say, I need to focus on just one. I need to bet on one horse. So I chose Google. And that meant that I reduced that to something like 10,000 pages, which is manageable as an individual. And from that perspective, that was pure pragmatism. I didn't have the resources to do it. So I had to pick a horse and go with it or run with it, as it were. And then for the subscription model, it was as funds ran out, as we started to get into a situation where we couldn't actually kind of foresee what was going to be happening next, we thought, right, let's, let's put adverts on it. What is the one thing that parents are going to be um, upset about? It's adverts. So the next step is to say, if you don't want adverts, your child can have ad-free content, but you pay a small monthly fee. And once again, that's kind of pragmatism of putting the ads on mixed with empathy for your user. And in this case, although the user was the child, the, the final user was that actually the parent. So we needed to appeal to the parent or talk to the parent in a language that they understood or that they appreciated. Look at it from their point of view. So what we did is we set up the whole website for the kids and then a whole nother website for the parents to help them with online safety for their child. And that brought the parent on board because we indicated that we actually had empathy for their problems and their problems were centered around how can I allow my child to be online, especially at that period when the web was still a bit of a wild west. Uh, it's very impressive being focused on, on your customer, your client's needs, what are their concerns and creating those solutions and doing it with a really big audience is a no small task. So basically what you're saying here is you've, you've been working in one way or another, you know, with the Google platform, um, maybe have as much experience with, with uh, working with Google as anybody out there. So in 2022, you know, what are the opportunities um, with Google and explain Now you've got this amazing website. I don't know how you uh, got this URL, but guys, his website is calicube.com. That's www. Cali, K-A-L-I, and then cube, C-U-B-E dot com. Tell us about your brand, SERP equals your, your Google business card. In 2022, if I'm a small business owner, so I'm trying to get something going, what do I need to know about Google and the opportunities? And how can CaliCube, you know, kind of be a solution with that? Right. Uh, well, in fact, what happened with Up to 10, we had the company was called Up to 10 and the characters were called Buangkwala. And what I realized after about 2004 is that we had built up a following of people, of children and parents, grandparents, schools, who would type up to 10 into Google, not to find out more about us, but to navigate to the site. Uh, Or they would type in Buwankwala because the child said, I want Buwankwala. And the parents said, I've got no idea what that is. They would type it in and they would come to the site. So what I realized is we built up a vast number of brand searches, which is the company brand up to 10, but also the character brand, which was Buran Kuala. And there were, there were two aspects. Number one, and the most important, is the post funnel. The people who are already on board as clients in one way or another who would search our name to navigate to the site. 
The second is people who had heard about it down the supermarket. Uh, the mother would talk to another mother about Buwan Kuala that this child really, that child really loved. Or the grandmother would ring up the mother and say, oh, when we were babysitting last night, there was this amazing thing that they were looking at, Buwan Kuala. So they would search it to research what it was they were talking about. And towards the end of the, the business, I realized that what we hadn't done is make sure that the result that Google showed when people made that search up to ten or Buwan Kuala, that what they saw was the brand message we wanted and not the brand message that Google thought was correct. Oh, yeah. So I started to work on that idea of saying, how can we project this brand message that we've built up so carefully over the years and protect that brand message when people who know about our brand, either because they're bottom of funnel about to buy or post funnel they're already buying, to make sure that they see the brand message that we have crafted so carefully. Because Google will show your brand message if you can educate it and convince it to do so. So there's an education process. Now, I'm noticing here, you've got a lot of content. You've got these knowledge uh, nuggets and, and uh, glossary. Like you're really trying to educate uh, business owners in the audience. And it looks like you've got uh, three different solutions, kind of a beginner's, intermediate, and an advanced uh, platform. What are the options and, and what, is, what are some of these resources on your website? And, and what specifically, well, let's start with that. What, what are some of the resources on the website uh, that can really help people get going in the right direction with Google and with search and, and uh, SEO optimization? Well, what's absolutely delightful there is that you've been able to just look at the site really quickly and understand what it is we're offering. Uh, Katrina, who's working on this, and this is literally a month old, in terms of how can we present what it is we're trying to offer? How can we present it to people in a way that we're helpful to anybody interested in our global topic? And our global topic is SEO, how to get to the top of Google for any keyword, but also brand SERPs, Google is your business card. What do they see? What do your audience see when they Google your brand name? Yes. And how do you educate Google? And that's vitally important. That's where we're different is we're not saying, let's try and trick Google, get to the top by cheating SEO tactics. Let's educate it because the, when the we The so-called black hat uh, tactics, yeah. right? Yeah, you don't, don't want to do those. No, I, no, no. We're saying it's a child. It's a child that wants yeah. to understand. All we need to yes. do is educate it. Yes. And so, from that perspective, the, the the content we're offering is actually we cover our topic as as widely as we can. We push it out onto all these different platforms: Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, our own website. Articles are right for other sites and podcasts like this. And then we integrate it into our own site. And then we package it for Google. So our initial aim with our content is to serve, inform, educate, and help our audience. And then we package it using SEO techniques to educate Google about who we are, what we do, and who our audience is. So that content, the resources we're offering is to show who our audience might be to Google and also to help our audience, which is the fundamental aim of everything we're doing. And then the offers you were talking about, which is beginner, intermediate, and uh, advanced, is that the idea of looking after your brand SERP, S-E-R-P, is search engine results page. So a brand SERP is what appears when somebody Googles your brand name. 
And that somebody is your audience because they know who you are or they wouldn't know what your name is. So these people are your audience. They're the most important audience you have. They're bottom of funnel, they're post funnel. What they see when they Google your brand name is phenomenally important. And what we're doing is telling and helping businesses to make sure that that brand SERP, what people see when they Google your brand name is the same message that they work so hard to nurture over the years, which is what we did up to Tenembu Wankwara. Guys, a lot of value bombs that Jason is dropping for you right now. And one of the, the easiest ways to explain this is when someone searches your company name on Google, what are the first 10 results that pop up when they search your company name? And that's that's what he's saying. Your brand SERP, your Google business card, like that's that he there's an article here he's sharing on Forbes on his website. It says 75% of you know what people think about your business really comes in that google search and it's it's the online reputation that you've built and that you've given google and so if your first page results are coming up with all sorts of negative things or you haven't really taken the time to focus on building that that first page of search results on google you're going to be in trouble and so you have to choose very carefully the right types of websites and, and links that are going to connect to your website. Does your main website even show up at the top? If it doesn't, there's some things that Jason can do to help you with that. And then something else that I know is vitally important that Jason will probably talk to us too is your Google business uh, business thing, right? Uh, whatever yep. that's called. Like, So I'm looking at mine right now, and, and we've got uh, 255 five-star reviews uh, with Google, a 5.0 rating. And if you don't manage those Google reviews, like your your online credibility goes down pretty quickly. So so what do what do they learn about how to how to take care of their first page of Google? Because it sounds like that's I mean that's that's everything, especially when you get started. Right. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. And um, the the whole idea of what Google shows your audience when they Google your brand name, being your business card, is phenomenally important. And we offer on the website lots of free resources. The idea is if you if you want to go through all this content and figure out oh, that's absolutely wonderful, and I really want people to start paying attention, um, very much like Luan Kuala, I don't want to think how much money am I making out of each person. I want to think how many people am I helping? And then like the freemium that we had with Luan Kuala, it's saying if you want to really get to the core of it, buy the book if you're a beginner. The book will teach you to make that Google business card look great. If you're an intermediate and you already understand the basics of what you should be doing in terms of SEO and packaging this content for Google and convincing Google and educating Google, then go for the courses because they're slightly more advanced. And if you're a super expert, go for the CaliCube platform, which actually analyzes brand SERPs in vast numbers, 200 million data points to help you to understand how you can better educate Google. So we have this kind of four-tier idea is there's a free, a free as aspect to it where we just share. And then we move up through beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And that three-tier approach, i.e. serving all the different people who could be interested by brand serves, serving them all at the level they need with empathy for their needs, their level of understanding, that's how we're going to build a seven-figure business. I love it, Jason. Jason, knowing 90% of business owners like I do, um, they don't have the time to be able to build their business and learn everything about this. A lot of them are looking for a done-for-you service. 
and they're thinking, Jason, I know I've got to get my Google search results under control. I've got to control my narrative. I've got to be able to convert people when they search my business name of all things. So, you know, what are, are there options available where there's done for you and, and you and your team can kind of take them by the hand and, and knock out some of these tasks for them? In fact, we've taken the choice of not doing that. What we do is work with agencies okay. who can do that for you, oh, but perfect. they use the CaliCube resources to do it because oh, okay. what I learned from Buwa and Kuala once again is Smart. I want to scale this. Everybody, every business, every person, yes. every music group, every podcast need to look after their Google business card. I can't possibly serve the entire world. What I can do is create a platform, a book, and a set of courses, self-service for the courses and the book, and the platform with an agency who then uses it. It's an agency tool who can then help other people, and that makes it infinitely scalable. And for me, that's one of the secrets of business, at least, is to say, yes, I huge. can't do this for everybody, but I can provide the means for other people to do it for either themselves or for their clients. So if you are interested, buy the book if you're a beginner, buy the courses if you're an intermediate. And if you really want the do it, somebody does it for you solution, either ask your agency to contact us or contact us and we'll put you in touch with an agency. So, so I see now a CaliCube is a platform. CaliCube is a software platform that provides all these resources and, and ways to manage it. So basically you can actually just sign up in the platform, go through and knock it out yourself. Or if you need someone to help you, you guys have agencies, or if you have a digital marketing agency already, then they can kind of connect up through the platform and use these tools and resources. Because I've interviewed a lot of digital marketers, and I've worked with certainly a lot of them. And this is actually the first time I've ever seen somebody focused on, listen, you've got to manage your, your first paid search results of your company name. And I would dare say at the same time as your company name is you as the business owner and founder. Yeah you probably better be managing your search results too with your name. Otherwise, you know, I remember uh, I, had, uh, I had a friend who, um, an old business partner, and uh, his name when you would search it came up uh, with uh, some sort of uh, business that was focused. Uh, I don't remember if it was like, uh, I think it was, it was something with uh, pornography. So not the greatest search result, but that's what would pop up with his name. It's like, oh, you're a, an executive at this porn company. And so he probably, you know, should have spent some time uh, fixing that up. And, and I know that these things happen. So yeah, you've got to manage your, your company search results and your first name search results. And it sounds like that's exactly what your platform is going to help. So, so what's the next step? Where should somebody start? I'm listening in. I'm learning a lot from you, Jason. Should I just go to calicube.com and, and take action there? What's the first thing that I should really start at to, to get into your world? Right. Great question. I mean, first thing is to go to calicube.com. Um, I would also suggest that if you're thinking, oh, this is quite interesting, but I'm really not sure what you're talking about, or I'm not sure how I can start looking at this uh, in a productive manner, we have a series called the Daily Brand SERP, and it's a one to two minute video every single day where I take any brand SERP, a company, a person, a record, a film, anything that somebody would search for to find information about or to navigate to the site that represents it, and I analyze one aspect really simply, and I give some uh, simple advice 
as to how things could be improved or why it's good or why it's bad or why, why it might be interesting. And that's a really, really easy entry. There are about 170 episodes of that now online. So actually what you can do is just dip into them over a period of about two or three weeks. And you'll find that after two or three weeks, you start thinking, right, I understand the concept. I understand what it is I should be doing. I understand the problems and I'm starting to understand the solutions. And at that point, you can say, right, now I'm ready to read the book. Once I've read the book, I'm ready to take the courses. Or once again, I'm ready to ask my digital agency to start looking after this using the CaliCube Pro platform. So once again, it's a, it's a level of ed education. And the whole thing is built around the idea of you can come in at any of those stages, total beginner, beginner, intermediate, or expert, and you can use the platform at whatever level you're, you're able to do it. And what's really delightful and beautiful about this is that anybody can do it. It really isn't complicated. It's very, very simple. And I find a lot of my clients, a lot of the people I talk to, when I explain it to them, the details about what it is they need to do, they say, oh, yeah, I already knew that. And that isn't the case. What it is is that once I've told them something they didn't know five minutes ago, when I tell them and they think that's so obvious, they feel like they already knew it, even though they didn't. So all of this is blindingly obvious. Watch the daily brand SERPs and you'll go, right, yeah, so obvious. It is obvious, but the actual know-how to, you know, create the right links and the right, um, you know, connections with your company on that first page of, of Google search results, like that's, that's not widely known. I don't think everybody understands how to do it. That's why it's important, guys. If you're listening, right. you want to go to calicube.com. That's K-A-L-I-C-U-B-E.com. And, you know, he's got a, a book there. He's got a lot of free, amazing uh, content. He's got some courses there. And also, if you are into digital marketing, if you are, you know, built helping companies build brands, this is probably something uh, that you need to focus in on. Because if you don't, uh, I mean, you can have uh, great content, you can have some great sales funnels. But the first thing people do when they find out about you is what? They, they go search, search up on Google, they search your business up on Google. And if you aren't controlling what's popping up, you're in trouble. So that that's a priority. It's probably one of the first things you need to do with your business. I don't know, funny, I, I just always thought of that uh, with each business that I build over the last decade, like that's that's something you have to start and and Google's where it's at. So guys, go to calicube.com. Um, take action. That's what this podcast is about. And Jason, what's the final word for us? Well, I think the for my final word is that none of this is complicated. What it is is accumulation of small actions that you take that are accessible to anybody that can make that Google result for your brand name, your Google business card that represents the message that you want your audience to see when they search your name. And literally, it's lots of tiny little steps to be done over a period of time, let's say six months, maybe nine months, potentially a year. And that Google business card will look absolutely lovely. And it doesn't need technical knowledge. It needs dedication and it needs to, it needs for you to understand what are the steps to be taken. And that's exactly what we're doing at calicube.com. Amazing stuff, guys. Go to calicube.com. 
uh, learn from an expert who's been working with Google for over two decades uh, in our good friend, Jason Bernard here. Jason, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for dropping so many value bombs on the audience today. Thanks a million, Leo, that was great. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.